Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. God has been good to Life Tabernacle, Life Church. Now, many of you don't know this, but this church for many years was called Life Tabernacle, and uh, I, I guess it was about 2008, my dad and I sat right down here on the front row, and we talked about Tabernacle, and he told me, he said, son, I have spent the last 50 years in this, uh, this city explaining what Tabernacle is to people and how to spell it. I think it's time for us to change, and so we made a change at that time to Life Church. And uh, we're so thankful that we've been able to be here. Now, Life Church, Life Tabernacle, has been in existence since 1953. Isn't that amazing that you're sitting in a church that is 68 years old? Awesome. And and my family wasn't here at the beginning of uh, Life Tabernacle, but they arrived on the first Sunday of November in 1957. The first Sunday of November, in case you don't know it, this is the first Sunday of November. So 64 years ago, my family stood on the platform on Market and Rouse and became the new pastors of Life Tabernacle. I'm so thankful for that heritage. My sister Jean and I were talking about it this morning. She was three years old when she stood here. My sister Jan was five years old. And uh, my mom and dad started an incredible time of working here, 64 years that my family has been so blessed to be a part of this church and to lead this church. And, And really, when I think about those 64 years, I've seen 64 years of blessings. I've seen 64 years of God-honored revival, of of prayer, of ministry, of of giving, of worship. And and I'm just so overwhelmed with thanks today and gratefulness today that God allowed me to be a part of that. You know, the legacy of mom and dad, they were just known for their generous heart. They were known for their loving. They were known... And and, and because they were that way and because that was their heart to give, Life Church just grabbed a hold of that personality. And through the years, Life Church has given, we've given millions and millions of dollars. You know, one time dad and I was sitting and we just kind of calculated the money that we had given to missions. And and dad told me, he said, son, I believe that God is going to return it all to, uh, to us someday. You can't outgive God. And just this last year, we saw that happen when God brought somebody in that we didn't expect, was able to purchase our property and more than repaid us the money that we had been given all these years. And that just tells us that we now have the opportunity to turn around and give more than we've ever given before. I want to say a special thank you to the board of directors who have generously given to Amos Home to help us build our new campus for 300 children in the Philippines. We've already broke ground on that, and I know God is going to do great things. Amen. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that Life Tabernacle followed mom and dad, and I'm, 
I'm thankful that Life Church has now followed Nancy and I. I, I want to say happy birthday. Today is my sweet wife's ha- birthday, and she's been an, an amazing grandmother. She's taken care of a sick grandchild today since Bo and Lauren are on a little trip, and so she's not here, but honey, I got your birthday card. I'll bring it home, and, and uh, I'm bringing a kiss with it, so I can't wait to see you this afternoon. And uh, I, I'm just really thankful. Um, and, and Tuesday of this week, uh, we'll celebrate our 36th wedding anniversary. And I'm, I'm a blessed man. God has been good to me. Now, mom and dad came in 1957. I've already told you that. I grew up in this church. And, and when God called me to preach, I, I ended up on the other side of town and the southwest uh, area of Houston, Stafford area, and I pastored there for six wonderful years. And and on the first Sunday uh, of January of 1996, that's been almost 25 years ago, my wife and I, Lace wasn't here yet, Bo and Ben, we stood here and became the pastors of Life Church, and I am so blessed and so thankful. And Life Church, I love you. Friendswood, I love you. I am thankful that God called me to this house. Amen. Now, today I'm going to talk about a generous heart. That's part of our legacy. Our legacy is to be generous. And and there was no one that was more generous than my mom and my dad. They were givers and they gave. They taught us to give. And and I'm thankful that that's part of my heritage, part of my legacy, uh, to be generous, to give, to help other people. And did you know that when I look at the Bible, there are thousands of promises in the Word of God, promises that God made to us. Now, some of those promises are without conditions, but there are many of those uh, promises that are have a prerequisite with it. In other words, the Lord says, if you do this, I'll do that. And, and many of those promises that are given to us are connected to our generosity, Connected to what we are willing to do and how we are willing to act. And, and, and these, these promises of generosity are, are not only speaking about finances and giving, but, but it's talking about being generous with our time, with our energy, with our praise, with our worship, with our thoughts, with everything that is in our life. And, and really when I look through the Bible and I read some of these prob, uh, promises, The question that I have is, why is God so interested in us knowing about generosity, in us understanding generosity, and and, in us living a generous life? I, I, I think he gives so many promises that are connected to that because he wants us to have a grasp or an understanding on how to live a generous life. And and really, the reason that God wants us to know that is because generosity is actually love in action. It's love in action. Turn to your neighbor and say, generosity is love in action. You see, the whole world is uh, tired of fake I love yous. They want to see what is real. People are looking for real now. And this is what I truly believe, that you cannot love without truly giving. You can't say that you love someone without being generous to them with your emotions, with your time, with your energy, with your finances. And and, and so I am thankful that we can live a generous life. Think about 
the generous heart of Jesus Christ who gave everything for us? Is anybody thankful for the incredible generosity of our Savior who gave all for us? What a sacrifice. And God himself, how he has given to us. John 3, 16 says it like this. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So this is what I believe. If I'm not a generous person, then I'm really not a loving person. I think all of us want to be loving people. We want to say that we're loving people, but if we're not generous, then I don't believe that there is really that love in our heart like there should be. And, and, and this is what I know. I, I've been a pastor now for a long time. Uh, my wife and I were um, voted in here in 96. We were at the church uh, on the Southwest side in 91. So, you know, I've been a pastor now for 30 years and I know that anytime that I talk about money, people become uncomfortable. Because this is what people think. Oh, that's all the church wants to talk about is money. And, and I'm really talking about this at one of the greatest times in the history of our church when we have been so blessed. And, and I want you to know that, that I haven't probably, uh, I probably haven't spoken about giving as much as I should because I know that it's very important. I know that it's important for us to understand giving. Just this week, I did a little research uh, on words that are found in the Bible. And, and, and so the first word that I look for is believe. How many of you think the word believe is important? I mean, that's what our faith is all about. You know, the, the encouragement to believe. I think believe is an important word. You know how many times I find it in the scripture? I find it around 170 times. 170 times. I, I, I did a research on the word pray. Uh, prayer is important for us, right? We are a praying church. We believe in prayer. I found the word prayer around 150 times. I, I found the word love. And love, of course, is part of the word of God, is part of the personality of God, the characteristic of God. And, and we know that love is very important. I found the word love about 526 times. Now I want you to listen to this. Then I searched for the word give and give was found 864 times in the word of God. Now I, I would say that that tells us that God intended forgive to, for the word give and forgiving to be a very important part of our life. And, and really we shouldn't be surprised by that, right? I mean, we know that God is a giver. Someone said, amen. God is a giver. And as Amber said today, everything that we have has been a gift from God. If your heart is beating today, guess what that is? It's a gift from God. If you're breathing air today, guess what that is? It's a gift from God. If you enjoyed the sunrise and the sunshine as you're coming in this morning, guess what that is? It's a gift from God. Your thoughts, your creativity, even your ability to work, your strength to work has been a gift from God. And so think about how generous God has been good to us. I just want to ask you a question here this morning. Has God been good to anybody that's in this place? Oh, come on. God has been good to us. You know what? I was looking, 
in the lobby just a few moments ago. And I was looking at people that God has delivered. I was looking at people that God has healed. I believe that I saw some people that just a few months ago, we didn't know if you were going to live because you were in the hospital because of COVID. And here you are. Our God has been good to us. Amen. So I want to talk about six things that come from living a generous life. Number one, generosity honors God. This is what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 13. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Our generosity honors God because they gave. There were people that gave glory to God. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 31 says, whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. When we oppress poor people, we're showing contempt to God. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. There's something about when we give to one of God's hurting people, one of God's people that is going through issues, there's something about it that when we do that, it honors God. I think everybody in the room wants to honor God. Amen. We honor God through our generosity. Number two, when I am generous, generosity will draw me closer to God. We, we know, we know that when we invest our time in something, we know that when we invest our money in something, when we invest our energy in something, that, that that's what we're going to pay attention to. That's going to be the thing that really captures our attention. Have you ever been around someone who really loves to fish, you know, and, and heard them talk about fishing? They talk about uh, this lure and this place and this secret spot. And, and, and you know, when they're talking about fishing, and, and I, I don't really care that much about it. Sorry, I hope I don't offend you. I don't really care that much about fishing. Man, you can just see it all over them. Their face lights up and boy, they're all invested. And, and they're talking about this new rod they got. And, 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 and oh, I'm going on this trip and, and I'm thinking about getting a boat and all that kind of stuff. And, and there's nothing wrong with fishing. It's just that they've invested their time in it and they love that. Have you ever heard somebody talk about golf? You know, somebody that's really into it. And they're talking about how um, they have this new club and, and, and this new driver and this new course and, and, and the lessons they're taking and, and the technique that they learned. And they just learned this one thing that gives them another five yards and, and, and all of these kind of things. And, and their face just lights up when they talk about it. And you know, without a doubt, these people love to golf and they're all into golf. Hey, here's one. Have you ever heard somebody talk about their grandchildren? You know how they talk about their grandchildren and that's all they want to talk about. And oh, their grandchildren is so special and, and, and their grandchildren does this and their grandchildren does that. And, and, and you know, without a shadow of a doubt that those people are so in love with their granddaughter, I mean, their grandchildren, that it's just amazing how they give themselves to that. And, and they talk about the toys they bought and they talk about the parties and, and the trips that they're taking to Disney and all those kind of things. And there's no question about the love that they have for their grandchildren. You've been around people like that, haven't you? Amen. 
So this is what I'm saying. When I cheerfully and generously invest my time and my money into the kingdom of God, it's always going to draw me closer to God. It's always going to bring me to a place where I'm more aware of the importance of the kingdom of God and what God wants to accomplish. That This is what generosity should bring to our life. It should bring an awareness of what God wants to accomplish in the world around us. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 14 and verse number 23. Bring this tithe to eat before the Lord your God at the place he shall choose as his sanctuary. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn of your flocks and herds. I want you to look at that last sentence in that scripture. The purpose of the tithing is to teach us, to teach you always to put God first in your life. Amen. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I can tithe. I'm thankful that I can give generously unto the Lord because this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 21 for where your treasure is where your treasure is there your heart will be also this is this is what we're talking about friends with this is what we're talking about Houston we're talking about when I invest myself into the kingdom of God when I'm serving into the kingdom of God when I'm when I'm working for for the Lord when I'm testifying to people, when I'm sharing the gospel, when I'm giving, that just serves to draw me closer to the Lord. Just this morning, I was talking to one of our members in the, uh, in the lobby, and she was talking about a person that she has been bringing to church and praying for, and, 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 and I could just see the joy on her face simply because she was able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and God's more real to her today than ever before because she sees God's work in the life of people around her. She's investing her time to tell somebody about the goodness of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our generosity draws us closer to the Lord. Our generosity draws us closer to God. The the third point that I will make is that generosity makes me more like Jesus because the most generous person that ever lived was Jesus Christ. He gave it all. So when I give and give generously, this is what's happening to my heart. My heart becomes bigger for people. My heart becomes bigger for people that don't have anything. And this is what I would say to all of you out there that have never moved into that level of giving generously. I know that many times it's out of fear. It's out of fear of taking that step. And I'll just say the fear comes because you have yet to put yourself in the position where you can prove that God is faithful to keep you through any situation. Now, this is what I think it is. I think it is the orphan spirit. I think it is the spirit of an orphan. And I think the spirit of an orphan tries to attack us, tries to make us careful, tries to make us, uh, uh, we're we're fearful to really give generously because what's going to happen to us? My father in heaven owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He will never let me go without taking care of me. The orphan mindset. Let, Let me give you an example of what the orphan mindset is all about today. We're having a craft show for Imas, and I'm so thankful for that. And, and, and nine years ago, we started Imas Home. And when Nancy and I arrived to dedicate 
the building and to dedicate the ministry. My, my sisters were with me. My, some of my nephews and, and nieces were with me. And, and, and when we ar- arrived there, we found that there were 17 children. When we left America, we didn't have any children. By the time we got there, we had 17 children. And, and in that group of orphans, that first group of children that we had, um, I've told this story before, but, but their mindset was so different than it is now because they had lived their life on the street, some of them to the point of starvation. One family had been locked in their house and deserted by their parents, and uh, they had gone uh, days without eating food. Finally, one of the little girls actually was able to open a window on the second floor and she was crawling across to the neighbor's home to break in and steal some food for them. And she fell and fractured her skull and a social worker found her and that's how that family was set free. Let me, let me tell you about those kids. The first time that we set them down to a meal at Ima's home, they took half of the food and put it in their pockets. They, they wanted to eat, but they also thought in their mind, I don't know if I'm going to get another meal. That's the orphan mindset. I, I better, oh, I better hold on to this because I'm not sure that it's going to happen again. And, and, and as they continued to go through their meals, they started realizing, you know what? We have a good father. That's, they call me Papa Jim. They, they tell me that I'm the best father that they could ever have, that they're thankful. And, and believe me, I'm not saying that to, to make myself look big. I, I am humbled by that. Uh, that statement when they call me that father, but, but this is what they realize. They realize that I'm going to make sure that they're taken care of as long as they're in my care. They're going to have a meal to eat. They're going to have three meals to eat. They're going to have, they're going to have snacks during the day. They're not going to go hungry. And, and, and this is what I found starting Ima's home. Ima's home, and we used to call it Ima's home for children, but now we have a lot of teenagers there and it's a little bit insulting. So we changed the name to Ima's home. And, and, and this is what I found. I have proved that God is faithful. And many people that never give generously are still operating under that orphan mindset that I have to hold on to what I have because I don't know if any more is coming. When those who give generously have learned and proved that you cannot outgive God. Does somebody have a testimony here today? Is there anybody in the room that you have found that God is faithful through everything and that you can't outgive Him and that He'll provide for you? Somebody give a testimony of praise that God is faithful, that He will watch over us. And people that have been generous have learned that lesson. People that have been generous have seen that. So when it comes time to giving, there's no fear in giving generously because we know that we can't outgive God. We know that as we give, we become more like Christ and we are able to give more and more and more. Listen to this scripture. The wise man said this in Proverbs chapter 21 and verse number 26. He said, some people are always greedy for more. Now that really describes the materialism of the world that we live in. Always wanting more, always trying to outdo the neighbor, always trying to get the... And listen, I'm not, I'm not against 
anybody getting whatever you have. God bless you, and I pray that you are blessed abundantly. I believe in the blessings of God, but I also believe that true happiness and contentment is not tied to the things that you get, but to the way that you live your life generously, giving to other people. Look at the last part of that scripture. But the godly love to give. The godly love to give. Now, I don't think anybody in the room wants to be considered greedy. We don't want to be looked at as a greedy person. I don't think anyone at Friendswood desires to be known as a greedy person. And if you don't want to be a greedy person, I'm going to tell you the antidote. I'm going to tell you the way to avoid that. I'm, I'm going to tell you the way to, to avoid ever falling into greed. It's real simple. Just be generous. Just be generous. Generosity is the enemy of greed. Generosity is what keeps your heart pure. I, I was in, uh, on a trip one time with Bo and and I, I, I hope he's not watching because this is an embarrassing story for him. So, Bo, if you're watching, just mute it right now. Walk around, whatever you want to do. Uh, and, and he was just a little boy. And, and we were on this trip, and it was just he and I. It was a dad and son trip. And, and um, he, I got him an ice cream cone. How many of you know that little boys like ice cream cones? And, and we stood there together, and he was eating that ice cream cone, and and I didn't get me one, uh, and now I don't know why. It's probably on some foolish diet when obviously I don't need to diet. That's just, it's not something I need. And, and I said, Bo, will you give me a bite of your ice cream? And he said, no, no, you can't have any of this. And I said, I thought he was joking. Please, you know, I, I want to, I just want one. No, and he would not give me any of his ice cream. So I thought about some things when I was there, just seething, wondering if I could get away with throwing him off of the boat that we were on. We were on a little boat at the time and he knew how to swim. So I was just thinking how, you know, but, but this is what I realized. I realized he forgot where that ice cream came from. It didn't come from the money in his pockets. It came from the money in dad's pocket. He forgot that I was the source of ice cream in his life. That if he was going to eat ice cream, that it was going to come from me. And without me, there was no ice cream to be had. And the only reason that he had ice cream is because I was willing to give it to him. The, the second thing that I thought is um, I could have told him right then, give me that ice cream. You're not eating another bite of it until after dinner. And I don't want you to have it. You're being stingy. Give me the ice cream right now. And I could have taken it away. I had the authority to. I had the ability to. As I, actually, I could have gone back to the store and bought him 10 ice cream cones because I was the one that was in charge. And the third thing that I realized is you know what? It's not really that I need the ice cream. I just want him to learn how to share. I just want him to learn how to share. And you know, the, the more I thought about that story, the more I realized that it's the same reason why God wants us to understand generosity. Number one, everything that we have, all the ice cream that we've ever eaten, dare I say it, all the cheese enchiladas that we have consumed, 
all of the cars that we have driven, all of the houses that we've lived in, all of the clothes that we wear, it's all from Him. Without Him, we have nothing. The second thing, just like I could have taken the ice cream from Him, did you know that He holds our breath in the palm of His hand in a moment? He can bless us or He can take it all away from us. He is in control. He is the one that is, has everything in third place. This is what I believe. I believe that God wants us to be generous. He blesses us to be a blessing. He helps us so that we can help others. He saves us so that we can give somebody else the good news. He heals us so we can be a testimony of the healing power of God. He delivers us so that we can tell people how he can set them free. He blesses us so that we can give, so that we can be generous because he is a giver. The fourth thing, generosity is the cure for materialism. I, I, I've said it. We've already talked about it. It's all over this world. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. This is what Jesus said. No one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So it's either money or God. You can't have both. And this is what generosity does. It teaches us not to be materialistic. It, it's so easy to get caught up in being materialist, it, it, a consumer. It, it's so easy to say, I've got to have the next thing. H has anybody ever looked at one of those catalogs in the airplane? You know, the Sky Mall catalogs. Anybody? Let me just see your hand if you ever. You know what they have in those things and those catalogs? Stuff that you don't need. But you know what happens when you look at them? You realize I need that stuff. I mean, did anybody know that, that iPhone had, that you could buy a printer for your iPhone? You could stick it right on your iPhone. You could print out pictures. I mean, I didn't know that. SkyMall told me that. And now I'm like, I gotta have one of those. That's what materialism is. That's what co consumerism does. It, it, it grabs a hold of us. And, and Paul, when he was writing to Timothy, said this, tell those rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves. You don't need an iPhone printer. I, if, if you do need one, really, I, that's okay. But I'm just trying to make a point. And don't be so obsessed with money, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Now, I'm sorry for all of you that are investing in the denarii or whatever it is. I, it ain't coming back. It, it was a Money system for a time and it's gone. I, I probably made an enemy right there. Somebody's got 10 million denarii or whatever they're called. This is what we should do. Go after God who piles on all the riches we could ever manage to do good, to be rich in helping others, to be extravagantly generous so that they do that. They build a treasure that will last, gaining life that is truly life. Dem Generosity demonstrates my faith. It shows the faith that I have. Philippian, uh, I'm sorry, Philemon 1 and 6. And I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things that we have in Christ. If you're stingy, 
you have a problem with faith. If you're greedy, you have a problem with faith. It's rooted in the fact that you don't believe that God will really take care of you. But as I give generously, I'm proving I'm proving that God will take care of me. This is what the prophet Malachi said. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that you will have enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will, open up the, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you will have enough room to take it, that you won't have enough room to take it in. Listen to what God says. Put me to the test. You know, I know that there are some people in this room that maybe you're even doubting the existence of God. And you've tried to figure it out by reading books. You've tried to figure it out by uh, scientific fact or whatever. I can tell you a way that you can really make it an experiment where you can prove if God is real or not. Give generously and see if God blesses you. This is how confident I am. If you give generously and God doesn't bless you, then you can say God doesn't exist. This is why I say that. I know and have proven that God is generous. Generosity brings God's blessings. The more I give away my time, my talent, my treasure, the more God will give to me. Proverbs chapter 22 and 9. He who is generous will be blessed for he gives some of his food to the poor. Deuteronomy 15 and 10, give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything that you do. It's just a gener generous lifestyle. It's living a life of generosity. Now, I, I want to close with just talking about generous worship because it's not all about generously giving. It's about living that generous lifestyle and again, the message title is a generous heart. And there's no scripture that is better to describe this than the story that Jesus told in the book of Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. It's there that one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went into his home. It, it's a religious setting. It's a, a Pharisee. It's, it, it's full of judgment. And we'll see that. And, and, and when Jesus sat down to eat, an immoral woman, that's what the scripture says, from the city, heard that he was eating there, and she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. I still in my mind see when we had our, our drama, The King of Kings, how Stephanie would come in with that, uh, she acted that so well, this, this woman that has this alabaster jar. And, and, and the scripture says she knelt beside behind him Jesus is there eating all of these religious people are around and, and and the custom of the day was people could just come in and stand around the wall and listen to the conversation they may not have been a part of the meal but they were able to come in and and, and she knelt behind Jesus weeping her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on him. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, if Jesus really knew what was going on, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. And Jesus knew what his thoughts were. And he said, Simon, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, Simon replied, and Jesus told him a story. A man loaded money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to another, but neither of them could repay. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? And 
Simon answered, I'd suppose the one who he canceled the larger death. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. This woman that had such a generous heart. Extravagant worship before the Lord. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off of my feet. That was the custom of the day. They, they walked on these dusty roads. And so they, they washed feet when they went into a house. Um, but she washed them. She washed them with tears and wiped them with her hair. You, you didn't greet me with a kiss. Again, the custom is to take, embrace, kiss on the cheek. And, but, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to uh, anoint my head. Uh, 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 something that would bring a, a, a pleasant fragrance in that day and time. But, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who has forgiven little shows only little love. And the truth there is Jesus was saying, you think there's only a little that you need to be forgiven of. The truth is that Simon's sins were greater than this woman's sins because Simon's sin was he thought that he did not need God. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The people at the table said, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sin? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, I'm going to talk about this for just a minute. I know that my time, you you are long suffering with Tony. And if you're not long suffering with me, all of you are grounded. Simon hadn't bothered to demonstrate even the basic acts of hospitality. He he had shown no hospitality towards Jesus. And Jesus had entered his house, but there was nothing. But the woman, she went above and beyond. The three customs of the day, washing the feet and greeting with a kiss and and, and, and the olive oil, she, she went way beyond the custom of the day. And, and this is what I want us to know. I want us to know, first of all, that genuine worship, generous worship, extravagant worship, it is a heart that focuses on Jesus Christ. It's a heart that focuses on Him. You see, worship and, and, and I, the team can come on out. And I, I, I'm so thankful for our team. I'm thankful how they led us in worship today. And, 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 and you know, th- this is the thing that we do. Every week we take a lot of time to plan out this service. We, we study, we prepare, we have practices, we have worship lips, lists, we have, we have things that we go through. But, but th- that's not what worship is. And the the 30 or 45 minutes that we enjoy in worship on Sunday morning, that's only the, the, the very tip of the iceberg of what our worship should be like. Worship is my fixed gaze upon God, upon Jesus Christ, and it's understanding all that He has done for me. When this woman comes into this house, she's not looking around. Her eyes are focused on Jesus, and her heart is full of gratitude for the grace that He has shown her. And that's what her expression is. That, the, 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 uh, this religious, it's unwelcoming environment, and, and she's enduring the, the, 
the glances of the Pharisees that know that she is, according to what the Bible said, an immoral woman, but she is so completely absorbed and, and focused upon the presence of the Lord and, and so thankful for His grace. No, no, there, there wasn't a greeter there. <laughs> I'm thankful for our greeters. Hey, welcome to Life Church. There, there wasn't someone there that said, hey, welcome to Simon's home. Come right on in. Uh, do you need some coffee? There was none of that. There was no usher to seat her. There was no uh, congregation members beside her to welcome her. But you know what there was? There was Christ. And she could focus on Him. And He was enough. I, I also see that when she worshiped, it was flowing from a generous heart that was grateful. She, she was giving everything, her mind, her will, her emotions, and they were magnifying the Lord. With her mind, she understood the magnitude of, of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Is anybody thankful that the Lord forgave you? Forgave you? Friendswood, are you thankful that the Lord forgave you? you know, this is what I believe. I believe that every day that we serve the Lord, that that understanding of His grace should increase in our life. It shouldn't diminish. It shouldn't become old hat. It shouldn't become something that we just, oh yeah, that happened years ago. Every day of our life, there should be this incredible gratefulness that the Lord forgave me of the sins that I was called in, that He pulled me out. With her will, she chose to receive that forgiveness by faith. With her emotions, she gratefully wept and kissed and anointed His feet. A truly grateful heart is focusing on Jesus Christ. It, 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 it'll, this is what it'll do. It'll cause you to praise Him. Somebody said it'll cause me to praise Him. If you're grateful, it'll cause you to praise Him. If you have a generous heart, it'll cause you to praise Him. It'll cause you to sing loud. It'll cause you to cry. It'll cause you... But, but this is what it won't do. It won't just cause you to do nothing. This is what we need to understand. Emotionalist worship is foreign to the Bible. I can't come in and worship without emotions. I have to have the joy of the Lord. I have to have the gratitude for all that He has done for me. I have to have the emotion of what has happened. Stand with me. The last thing that we have, and friends, what I'm going to turn this over to Nick in just a few minutes, but I want you to listen to this last point. This last point is that when I have generous worship, it doesn't fear what other people think. She walks into the room and oh my goodness, she is in a place where people cannot stand her. What is that woman that is immoral doing in the house of this holy man, Simon? This Pharisee, how, how she must have felt. But you know what? Her appreciation for forgiveness in Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness she received from Jesus Christ, her appreciation, her gratefulness for what God had done for her, for the love that Jesus had shown her. It, it superseded any fear of what others may think. Yeah, Simon was there. And from what I read, he must have been a, a, an important person in that village. She didn't care what Simon thought. Jesus was there. Jesus was there. 
so as she starts worshiping, she doesn't think about what everybody else thinks. She starts wiping his feet with her hair. She starts kissing his feet. She, she doesn't care what it, anyone thought. She, she's not trying to make a show and she's not trying to, to market some type of new worship style. She, she didn't write a book, How to Kiss the Lord's Feet and Three Steps After This Was Over. That, that wasn't anything that she was thinking about. She was focused on Jesus. She was loving her Savior. There is a sound... Lord has really put this in my heart. I'm going to preach about it at the beginning of the year. There is a sound of revival that God hears from His people when they move in response. And part of that sound is the generous worship that comes from our heart. Friends, would I love you. I'm going to turn this back to Nick for your time. God bless you. For here in the Houston campus, where well, our prayer team just come around the front. And this is what I want. If you're here today and, and, and you just feel like that God has talked to you and wants to do something in your life, I would love for you to just come up and find one of our prayer team members and let them pray for you. Let them bring your need to the Lord and, and, and to, to bring you to that place of, of giving your... Con- your, your uh, confession of, of what you need and, and saying, Lord, this is, this is where I'm at. But, but this is, if, if you don't want to come to a prayer team member, that's okay. But this is what I'd like for everybody in the room, just like we did last Sunday with Tony. As the team leads us in this song of worship, and I ask them to sing that second song again about how great our God is. I'd like for you to just come and stand around the front here as we close today. And let's just pour from our heart, just thanksgiving for all that the Lord has done. Now, now, if God hasn't blessed you, that's okay. You don't have to come. But if God has blessed you, then let's come fill this front and with a generous heart flowing from our generous heart, let us worship our mighty God. I love you like church.